Hey folks, stay tuned for an exciting opportunity to help determine the direction of this show. More on that at the end of this episode. If you were in doubt about whether masculinity can be toxic, well, it's pretty clear now. Numerous studies have shown that men are far less likely to wear masks than women. This is despite the fact that experts agree that masks do reduce the spread of coronavirus-carrying droplets. Men not wearing masks spreads COVID faster. In other words, this masculine behavior is literally toxic. Or would it be biohazardous? Doesn't quite have the same ring to it though, does it? Biohazardous masculinity? In any case, the more important question is why? Why are men more likely to go maskless in public? And what does it have to do with masculinity? And what can we do to be real men with masks? That's what we're talking about in today's Short Shorts episode. I'm B.T. Newberg, and this is the history of sex. History of Sex is sponsored by Dr. Jillian Kenny, historian of women, sex, and magic in medieval Europe. I'd like to thank our new patron, Joe McMorrow, for making this episode possible. Hey folks, this episode of the History of Sex is sponsored by Let's Get Checked. Did you know that across the globe, men's healthy sperm counts have dropped by 50% in the last 40 years? When I heard this, I immediately Googled it and found out it's true. Believe it or not, one in four men over 30 are low in testosterone and have a hormonal imbalance. Symptoms may include low energy or fatigue, erectile dysfunction, low sex drive, anxiety, brain fog, and even just having a hard time making decisions. And that's why I'd like to make you aware of our sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Their fast, affordable, and always confidential at-home test kits help our listeners take a measured approach to their health from the comfort of their own home. And it's not just male hormone testing either. Let's Get Checked offers a whole suite of tests for men, women, and everyone in between. And, get this, now they even have a test for COVID-19. That's right, you can now get tested for coronavirus from the privacy of your own home. They're CLIA-approved, which is the highest-ranking level of accreditation. All data is completely anonymized to ensure your privacy, and new customers even get 20% off by using our URL and code. Just go to trylgc.com slash btnewberg and enter the code HISTORY for 20% off of your purchase. I tried it myself, and it was really pretty easy. My kit came in the mail, I took a sample in the morning, mailed it out the same day, and in less than two weeks, I could see my results online. And I could even talk to a nurse for a personal consultation. And I never even had to leave my home. Get yourself checked for hormone levels, COVID-19, or whatever is on your priority list. Just go to trylgc.com slash btnewberg and use code HISTORY to get 20% off. That URL, once again, is trylgc.com slash btnewberg. Let's get checked. <music> 
Hey folks, before we get started, I want to tell you about one of the highest rated history podcasts out there, which just released an episode on sex in ancient Rome. Professor Daniele Bellelli of History on Fire unveils the Roman bedroom, including all its quirks and delights, as well as its often gruesome prejudices. Check out Daniele Bellelli's episode, Sex in Ancient Rome. His show, History on Fire, has recently made the switch to Luminary, which is a platform kind of like Netflix for podcasts. The first week is free, so you can check out History on Fire on Luminary now. All right, time for today's Short Shorts. Short 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 So today we're talking about toxic masculinity, which is a controversial subject. Some people love the term, others hate it. So let me be crystal clear. Not all masculinity is toxic. Not even all traditional masculinity is toxic. Much of it is courageous, self-sacrificing, and virtuous. But some aspects can harm those around men as well as men themselves. And that's what we mean by toxic. See our previous episode about toxic masculinity in the Third Reich for more on that. Today, we're going to look at perhaps one of the most significant moments in history, right frickin' now, or at least it feels like that, right? And we're going to ask, what is at the root of this particular aspect of masculinity that seems to be endangering men and those around them? A Gallup poll from July 13th found that only 34% of American males say they always wear masks in public, and that's compared to 54% of females. Meanwhile, 20% of males say they never wear masks compared to just 8% of females. That makes men two and a half times more likely to straight out refuse masks. Several other studies have confirmed this gender difference, including high-quality academic studies by Palmer and Peterson, Caprera and Bercello, and more. So, why are men refusing to wear masks? Well, maybe it's actually a politics thing. Part of this could be political partisanship. See, Republicans, which for my international listeners, Republicans are the conservative party. Republicans are far less likely to wear masks, and men are far more likely than women to be Republicans. Hence, more Republicans not wearing masks means more men not wearing masks. So maybe this is just really a political difference, not really a masculinity thing. Maybe? Well, actually, no. Even after you control for partisanship effects, men are still less likely to wear masks. Okay, well, maybe it's just an American thing then. Nope, not that either. During the swine flu epidemic in 2009, men in Mexico City were more likely than women to go without masks. And during the SARS epidemic, in 2002 to 2003, men in Hong Kong were likewise more likely to skimp out on hand washing and mask wearing compared to women. So it's not just an American thing, it's a guy thing. It seems to be a gender effect. A study by Palmer and Peterson found that, quote, Identification with the norms of masculinity have a significant influence on affective responses toward mask wearing. In other words, what they're saying is traditionally macho men feel worse about wearing masks. Similarly, Caprero and Barcelo found that men are more likely to believe that, quote, wearing a face covering is shameful, 
not cool, a sign of weakness, and a stigma. Yikes. So what we're seeing here is a difference rooted in the very concept of traditional masculinity. In the words of fellow podcaster Joe Rogan, masks are for bees. Insert a derogatory term for women there. Yeah. So it's a guy thing. But hold up, hold up. If it's a guy thing, then why are guys doing their guy thing by not wearing masks? Because in a certain sense, that's the opposite of what you would expect from traditional masculine gender roles. I mean, above all, men are supposed to be the protectors, protectors of their families, of their communities, and of their countries. But here, they are literally the ones endangering their families, their communities, and their countries. Everything about tough, macho manhood is designed to shout from the rooftops, I'm ready to lay down my life to protect myself and those I care about. So where is that sentiment now? You're so tough you're willing to die, but you're not willing to put on a frickin' mask? It doesn't add up. But from another perspective, maybe it does add up. Because what men traditionally do, mostly unconsciously, in order to demonstrate their readiness to die for their families or their countries, is they engage in risky behavior. See, usually protecting others involves taking risks. You stand up to that mugger, you're risking your life. You go to fight in a war, you're risking your life. The kinds of things that show readiness to protect are risky behaviors. And this is biological. Men have much higher levels of testosterone compared to women. And testosterone produces greater risk-taking behavior. It controls that neurologically. And you can see the results of this, rather humorously, in the fact that men are 90% more likely to win the Darwin Award, which is given out for unnecessarily stupid deaths. <laughs> but in all seriousness, this is what's going on. Men take risks to unconsciously signal to potential mates their willingness to protect them from danger. Risky behaviors, from driving fast cars, to going without sunscreen on a hot day, to refusing to wear a mask during a pandemic, show that you are not afraid of danger. You're not afraid of the enemy at the gates. Unfortunately, this is not your typical enemy. In the particular case of COVID-19, the risky thing to do that shows how tough you are and how ready you are to die for others is the very thing that endangers those you are supposed to be protecting. Going without a mask is the risky behavior here, and men are using that to show how ready they are to protect their families, unconsciously, but nevertheless, that's what they're doing. It's almost like they're daring the virus to infect them, just like standing up in the trenches of World War I and shouting, Hey, you think you're so tough? Shoot me! Come on, I dare you! This isn't the trenches, and it isn't just about you getting shot. It would be a better analogy if when you got shot, then you went home and you shot your whole family. That's what this is really like. It's completely irrational. But that's how gender displays often operate. They're almost never conscious rational decisions, and they are almost always unconscious, irrational acts that you don't question. You don't even think what you're doing has anything to do with your gender, 
That's how deep down it is. You think that you're making an informed logical decision when what you're really doing is thumping your chest like a gorilla in the jungle. So the male instinct to show readiness to protect those around them is in this case actually not protecting at all. It's actually increasing the danger. Men are trying to show how ready they are to protect others from COVID-19 by being willing to get COVID themselves, and that's just playing backwards from what we want. It quite obviously contradicts the science on this matter. But then again, there is a long tradition of men ignoring scientific findings when inconvenient for their masculinity. Think of smoking, think of seatbelts, think of condoms, for crying out loud. You have to understand that the better part of masculinity is actually about projecting confidence, like you know what you're doing. However, most people don't and can't know what they're doing most of the time these days because things have gotten so complicated. You can't be an expert in everything, so you find yourself in the situation of always maintaining the illusion of knowing what you're doing, finally even persuading yourself. So then, when confronted with contrary evidence, it threatens to pop your little bubble, so you push it away. You say, that's just the eggheads in the universities saying that. That's the nerds, that's a pencil next. I know what I'm doing. Right. I do. Of course you do. Are you challenging me? No, sir. No, sir. Not at all. So there you have it. That's just one of the uglier parts of masculinity for you. Now, I mentioned earlier that this is not just an American thing. It seems to be a feature of masculinity all over the world, and that's true. That said, I do think that there is an expression of this that is uniquely American. First of all, Americans are all about freedom, right? That's no secret. So defending your freedom and your right to choose is the quintessential demonstration of a particularly American masculinity. So when a store says you have to wear a mask to come inside, or especially if a state governor lays down a mandatory mask rule, then you have the perfect opportunity to display your masculinity by standing up against this egregious, tyrannical, overreach by saying, how dare you tell me what to do with my body? Now, ironically, it's often these same men that have no problem at all with the government telling women what to do with their bodies, but I digress. How dare you tell me what to do with my body? That is the battle cry of the rough-riding, rootin' tootin' cowboy of freedom. And you know, now that I think of it, maybe there's a way that we could work with that. I mean, like, Maybe what governments should be doing is telling people that they can't wear masks. I mean, you know, use some good old-fashioned reverse psychology to flip them around a bit. Masks. No masks. Masks. No masks. No masks. 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 I'll wear a mask if I don't want, please. Wear it season. Duck season. <laughs> because, you know, the thing you'd think that men would be up in arms about is the right to wear a mask. That's what's going to protect them and their family. The NRA should be right up there on the front line saying, we have the right to bear arms and the right to wear a mask. That's how you protect your body and your family. But that's just not traditionally how masculinity goes. Not only does it go the opposite way in terms of psychology, as we've already seen, 
but even historically in American culture, it goes the opposite way. There is a local historical American precedent for risking your body to prove your manhood. Now, for any of you who listened to our previous episode entitled How to Be a Man in Civil War America, do you remember that lovely little practice called gouging? This gouging is a backwoods sport which was popular in the American South in the mid-1800s, and it pitted two brawlers against each other with the object of literally gouging your opponent's eye out. Ooh, that's gotta hurt. Yeah, it was a bizarre and twisted means of proving your masculinity. See, the winner, well, he won, so he proved his masculinity by braving such a heinous risk and prevailing. Meanwhile, the loser also proved his masculinity, perhaps even more so, because forevermore he bore a mark which was visible to all, a missing eye, that effectively stated, see how tough I am, this is how much I'm willing to lay my life on the line. So endangering your body to prove your manhood is a historical, tried-and-true practice. It's the American way. <laughs> but it gets grittier than that, even. See, there's also a sexist and even a racist thing going on here. See, gouging wasn't just about proving that you were a man, but that you were a free man, with all the rights that that implied. Because, you know, what distinguished a white male in mid-19th century America as opposed to a woman or a black man? Well, it was that you had the right to choose to do what you wanted with your own body. Women and black men did not have that right. Women were still basically the property of menfolk back then. And blacks, well, they were slaves up until the mid-Civil War when the Emancipation Proclamation came out. And the fates of their bodies, both women and blacks, were at the whims of their menfolk or their masters. To be a man, a true man, the way they thought of it back then, was to demonstrate that you alone determine what to do with your body. And what more effective way is there to do that than to do something that no one would ever otherwise choose to do? Hence, gouging, risking getting your eye gouged out by somebody's thumb. By braving such a bloody bloody sport, you were effectively saying, I'm male, I'm white, and I'm free. That, apparently, was what a real man was. So that's messed up. <laughs> but to bring this back to COVID, is there anything of that old Civil War masculinity that could be informing our mask-refusing macho men of today? Maybe. I mean, women are no longer property of menfolk, nor are blacks of owners, but perhaps there is something vestigial still hanging around in the air like aerosol droplets infecting American men today. Now, it would be interesting to find out if there's any difference today between, say, Caucasian males and African American males in terms of how refusal to wear masks 
plays out. I wasn't able to find any studies breaking it down by race, and even if there were studies like that, it would actually be a whole thorny issue to tease out exactly what any differences there might mean. For example, one thing that I did find is that many blacks today fear that wearing a mask will actually cause others to racially profile them because it kind of makes you look like you're going to loot the place or something in the minds of, you know, some people. And you know, it's not just a fear. Check it out. The shopping experience of one man, Cam Buchner, a 35-year-old attorney and state senator from Illinois, was related in an article on Stat News. While many white customers streamed by wearing masks, a uniformed officer stopped Buchner as he was leaving the store with a cart, asking to see his receipt and ID. It wasn't like I had anything that was the least provocative in my cart. It was flowers from my garden, Buchner says. When asked why, the officer said, I can't see your face. You look like you might have been up to something. So there you go. There it is right there. The article continues. Despite his experience, Buchner said he is still going to wear a mask in part to protect his father, who has risk factors making him more vulnerable to COVID-19. Now, indeed, the African-American community has been disproportionately hit by the pandemic, making the tough choice facing blacks all the more poignant. So, long story short, yeah, it's complicated. At the end of the day, the fact of the matter is that men of all races are considerably more likely than women to refuse to wear a mask, even though it endangers their loved ones. They refuse even though it endangers themselves. And as we've seen, perhaps that's even because it endangers themselves. By endangering themselves, they demonstrate, mostly unconsciously, that they are unafraid, just like soldiers in the trenches daring the enemy to shoot, or backwoods brawlers risking the loss of an eye, they are proving their manhood. They're showing that they have the cojones to be protectors. Unfortunately, in this case, they apparently have the cojones, but not the brains. The spread of COVID-19 is significantly reduced by wearing masks. The smart way to protect your family and your country is to put on that mask. So how do we get men to do that? Well, several studies have tried to find out. Most show that shaming does not work, so it doesn't help to tell men that they're endangering their loved ones. Rather, it's better to put it in positive terms, like you're protecting your loved ones. The study by Caprera and Barcelo, for example, tested several phrases for doing this, including protecting you, protecting your family, protecting your community, or protecting your country, and they found the most favorable results with protect your community. So maybe that's the tack that we need to take. We can also make masks look more manly. There are lots of companies now that are putting out masks with shark teeth or camouflage or ones that make you look like you're in Mortal Kombat. I mean, there's your gouging callback right there, right? Finish him. Or at least take an eye out. Yeah, yep, the eye is fine. Now, will manly masks that make you look like Scorpion or Sub-Zero do the trick? It's too early to see. But hey, I'll take whatever we can get at this point. Self-isolation can 
was the Coronavirus Anthem by Jonathan Mann. Check out his awesome work on YouTube. Well, that's all for today, folks. I hope you learned something today. I certainly did. All right, earlier at the top of the show, I mentioned a special opportunity for you folks. So here it is. We need spotters for sex and gender-related episodes on other podcasts. Because as you know, we regularly feature showcase episodes from other shows. The more we do that, the more we knit our communities together, the more we learn from each other and promote each other, and the more you, the listener, get introduced to awesome new shows. You are our best resource for spotting those episodes. So what other shows have you seen that have touched on the same kinds of topics that we cover on this show? I'm talking sex as in male, female, non-binary. I'm talking sex as in getting it on. I'm talking gender as in, you know, gender. And I do love it when an episode covers sex and gender for a whole culture, like Daniele Bellelli's History on Fire episode just did. But also, good candidates for our show include stories of underprivileged perspectives, like, you know, the biography of a famous historical woman like Josephine Baker, or of a trans person or an LGBTQ person, the whole shebang. So if you know of a podcast episode like this, or if you yourself are a podcaster and want to get your show featured on our feed, hit me up. Absolutely. I will consider it. If it shows a high standard of research and decent audio quality, I would absolutely love to hear from you. So hit me up. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram as at historyofsexpod, or you can email me at historyofsexpod at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. If you like what we're doing here on this show, you can support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing. And you can pledge on Patreon, where $5 a month gets you a portrait drawn in the time period and culture of your choosing. I will draw you masked and proud of it. I'll make you look like Sub-Zero or Kitana. She was the one with the fans. You know, she had a mask too in Mortal Kombat. Or whatever you want. I'll make you look awesome. I promise. Just go to www.patreon.com slash btnewberg. That's patreon.com slash b-t-n-e-w-b-e-r-g. All right. I'll see you next time, folks. Wear your masks. I'm B.T. Newberg, and this is the History of Sex. Podcast theme music mixed from tracks by Kevin McLeod. For additional credits, references, photos, and more, see our website at www.historyofsexpod.com.